0: Welcome to Preaching and Preachers, a weekly podcast devoted to those who preach and to the task of preaching itself. I'm your host, Jason Allen, President of Midwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. Today, I want to welcome Dr. Ray Rhodes to the podcast. Dr. Rhodes serves as the founding pastor at Grace Community Church in Dawsonville, Georgia, and serves as president of the of Nourished in the Word Ministries. He's an accomplished author, and he recently published the book, You're Still Heaven, The Untold Love Story of Charles and Susie Spurgeon. Dr. Rhodes, welcome to Preaching and Preachers.
1: Thank you, Dr. Allen, and thank you for having me today. And I also want to thank you at the very beginning for writing the foreword to Yours Till Heaven.
0: Well, listen, it's a fantastic book, and uh, I was delighted and honored to write the foreword. And I hope it proves helpful. And look, I I just I love reading the manuscript. I I just enjoyed going through the book. I I actually sent the uh, pre-publication manuscript onward to my wife to read as well, and she enjoyed it so much. And today, of course, we'll be taking much of our conversation from this book and uh, talking about the pastor and his marriage lessons from Charles and Susie Spurgeon. Now, before we get into that, let's, I want to hear a a brief word of update on you and your family and your ministry there, both for my own uh, appreciation and also that of our listeners. So give us a word of update on on you and your family and your ministry, Dr. Rhodes.
1: Uh, Thank you, Dr. Allen. Uh, Lori and I have been married. Uh, This is our 34th year now of marriage. Ah, uh, we have six daughters. Uh, soon to have six granddaughters, uh, grandchildren. I'm I'm sorry, and uh, our third daughter getting married here at our home in just a few weeks. So lots of busyness around this place uh, today and every day until the wedding. Church is going well. God has uh, been so kind and gracious to us during this pandemic. Uh, the we've grown actually in these months and. Praise God for that. So very thankful uh, to serve as a pastor. Grace Community Church, it's a Southern Baptist church north of Atlanta here in Georgia.
0: So you've written a book on the marriage of Charles and Susie Spurgeon. And this comes, what, uh, three, maybe four years after your book, Susie? Is that about right?
1: Yeah, uh, Susie was released in 2018. And this one, uh, early 2021, uh, just about a month ago.
0: And so, you know, most every evangelical Pastor has you know awareness of Spurgeon and appreciation for Spurgeon, and uh, most of us identify with him first and foremost as a preacher, perhaps as as a writer, as an apologist, one who oversaw you know so many different ministries and had just such a massive impact. But you have taken an interest, uh, obviously, in their marriage and in Susie even prior to this book. So I guess my question for you on the front end today is you know of all the different aspects of Spurgeon's life and ministry, one can be drawn to. Uh, what drew you to Susie and and to their marriage?
1: Yeah, well, I think uh, like a lot of us, a lot of us pastors and folks who love Christian history and biography uh, that know about Spurgeon, we tend to think of him almost as a godlike figure, uh, just uh, a man of no flaws, a great writer, great preacher, great leader, and and, uh, just a wonderful person. And sometimes I think we fail to see what was really behind the man And I think behind this great leader, this great writer, preacher, leader, uh, is a godly woman, uh, Susie, and it's her commitment and their devotion to one another in their marriage that I think is is very much a part of why we have the Spurgeon that we have today still reading his books and why uh, London had the Spurgeon they had back in his day. Just a sweet, sweet story of of a Christ-centered marriage and uh, great lessons for us today.
0: Before we get into their their marriage, give us a sense of of Susie, the broad contours of her life, and um, a a description of her by way of disposition, of interests, of support for the ministry of her husband.
1: Yeah, Susie uh, is two and a half years older than Charles. Uh, She was born in January of 1832. He was born June of 1834. Uh, she lived in London all of her life, some excursions to Paris to study the language and culture. And uh, so she was a city all of her life. Spurgeon was a country boy uh, in the villages and small uh, country towns of England. So she, uh, she was very uh, proper. She was used to refined preaching. Uh, uh, her family was relatively well off, at least for much of her experience. And Charles was very different in all of those respects. But uh, when the Lord brought those two together, it was really through uh, Spurgeon's care for her spiritually, giving her a copy of John Bunyan's The Pilgrim's Progress that opened the door for them to get to know one another and Susie to share her own spiritual struggles with him, which led to uh, more time together and Spurgeon revealing his love to her just a few months after they had met. And a couple of months after that, all within this first year, they are engaged and working towards marriage. And Susie saw those early days, especially after their engagement, when Charles would come over to her home to edit his sermons on Monday they he had preached on Sunday that had been taken down in shorthand. She would sit at his side, and she said, this was really great preparation for me to become a pastor's wife, spending that kind of time with him uh, each week uh, as he
0: studied. So give us a sense of of their early romance, how they met, uh, what drew them together, and a flavor of that relationship.
1: Yeah, their their romance was a surprise, I think, to Susie. Uh, again, uh, when she first heard him preach in late 1853, just as a guest preacher at the then-called the New Park Street Chapel, uh, she was very unimpressed with his country manner and appearance. Uh, But again, it was a few months later, after he is formally the pastor of the church in April of 1854, that uh, he learns of her spiritual struggles. She had been a Christian just over a year, I believe. And uh, he begins counseling her, but it's at the Crystal Palace, a, a great building of glass and steel that, uh, was, that displayed the progress of the world, especially the progress of England and London as the preeminent city of the world, uh, that she and a group from the church, including Charles, attended the grand reopening in June. And it was there that uh, Charles opened a book. He always had a book with him and pointed a passage on marriage and whispered in her ear, do you pray for the one who's to be your husband? And uh, she was uh, taken aback by that, but she knew exactly what he meant. And uh, he asked if they could take a walk. And they did outside the palace down to the lake. And she describes her heart racing fast. Love was in the air. So her her feeling towards Spurgeon had cha- changed dramatically in one night. Uh, who knows what she had been secretly imagining, perhaps prior to that? But uh, in her in her testimony, really no no evidence that she had any romantic feelings towards her, or was aware that he had any towards uh, her. And so, uh, again, that was in June of 1854. Two months later, in a in her grandfather's garden, Charles told her he loved her. And asked her to marry him, and she almost immediately went upstairs uh, for grandfather's house, and she prayed and thanked the Lord for giving her the love of such a good man. Uh, it was just a, a sweet attraction from the very beginning. Uh, after uh, Charles revealed his love to her at the Crystal Palace, and their love letters, and the way they talked to and about one another, and uh, just found their their uh, life uh, their life partners.
0: Well, listen. You have so movingly told the uh, the tale of, of their initial coming together. Continue with the story. Give us a sense of of again the broad contours of their life and ministry together.
1: Yeah, it was not it was not an easy life. And and Susie uh, in in her writing she mentions the fact that uh, even from her engagement she had no idea uh, the sort of man that Charles Spurgeon would become. He was already very popular. Lots of people were flocking to hear him preach. She had no idea that he would become the most popular preacher in the world and has been described by some the greatest celebrity uh, in the Victorian era, one of the great celebrities of the Victorian era and of the world also. Uh, his he became the pastor. He was the pastor of a church that became a mega church. 60 institutions connected to that. He was widely published. Uh, he was preaching across the countryside, and so Susie had to uh, become acquainted with that relatively quickly. Uh, she attended services with him at various places and at the New Park Street Chapel. And the first year of their marriage, 1856, was the great music hall tragedy, which a number of people were trampled to death in a crowded uh, hall when someone yelled fire when there was none. And so they had to suffer early in their marriage. Uh, Spurgeon fell into deep depression, almost quit the ministry. Uh, Susie stood by him as strong as she could, Uh, two uh, sons, twins, recently born also. This is in October of 1856. Uh, And also, soon after that, uh, Charles's health begins, uh, he begins facing a number of health challenges. And by 1868, Susie is essentially an invalid. So uh, success in ministry and all the requirements and responsibilities with that. Uh, physical affliction, theological controversies early in Charles's life. He was ridiculed and mocked by some in the press, even by some in the religious press. Uh, so she, uh, as his wife, felt the pain of that, as many pastors' wives would testify to, how difficult it is to see their husband embroiled in controversy or being attacked or posed in some way, but also just to see them suffer as Charles did with both depression and, and physical challenges. So there was all of that. But Susie was active for the first years of their marriage in church. She's counseling uh, female baptismal candidates. Charles has engaged her in some writing projects. Uh, and she is a support in every, every possible way. In fact, she makes a commitment never to hinder him in his public ministry. And she did that joyfully, not reluctantly at all.
0: Now, she had a ministry of her own, especially after Spurgeon, Charles preceded her in death. Say a word about that ministry.
1: Yeah, in 1875, Spurgeon released volume one of lectures to my students and gave her a proof copy before it was uh, out for pub- in publication. And she was thrilled by that and, and uh, told him, I wish we could give a copy to every pastor in England. And Charles said, well, Susie, why don't you make that happen? And uh, that began Mrs. Spurgeon's book fund. That from that day uh, till her own death in 1903, she gave away 200,000 books, and she oversaw every every aspect of that ministry, choosing the books, keeping the records of the of the work, uh, the whole everything. She gave the oversight to that, and from her home. And then after Charles died, as you mentioned, she uh, she had already written a book. Ten Years of My Life in the Service of the Book Fund, from 1875 to 1885. She was working on the second volume of that, and she would write three other devotionals after Charles died in 1892 uh, as well. She, uh, for a while, edited The Sword and the Trial, Spurgeon's monthly magazine, that dated back to 1865. In the mid-1890s, she helped plant a church, uh, Beulah Baptist Church at uh, Bexhill-on-Sea, and ultimately she would help raise money for the tabernacle when it burned in the late 1890s, and she was a major contributor to and co-editor of uh, Spur- the massive four-volume Spurgeon, Charles Spurgeon's autobiography that, uh, of course, came after his, after his death. And so what's amazing to me, Dr. Allen, is that she did that as a widow. She's, uh, she's sickly, and she is aging herself, and yet she never quit. She continued faithfully on, and part of that was she wanted to preserve her husband's legacy and pass it on. And so she was invested in seeing his sermons translated, his his books sent around the world, and supporting his ministry even after his death.
0: So this story obviously is a gripping one, and uh, it's it's clearly gripped you as well, Ray. And and so what about that story, that marriage, that romance, that partnership in ministry? If you were to narrow it down, what about that story prompted you to write this book? Yours Till Heaven, The Untold Love Story of Charles and Susie Spurgeon.
1: The more I sort of peel back the layers of Spurgeon's life, I, it's really how I discovered Susie. I knew he was married to a, a woman named Susanna. I knew that she was sickly and she gave away books, but not much beyond that. But as I learned about their love story, I saw how sweetly they talked to one another, how how, how kindly and romantically Spurgeon wrote to her he wrote to her every day that he was away every day with a dip pen and paper <laughs> he uh, sent her a letter and when he was too sickly to write himself he would dictate a letter through his secretary Joseph Harold so that that was touching to me and and some some takeaways was their spirituality uh, the way they prayed individually and read scripture individually uh, the way they read scripture and prayed Together and uh, Spurgeon's commitment to family worship, and that continued even when he was not at home. Uh, Susie would lead family worship with the boys when they got older or someone else. And that involved everyone in their household visitors, uh, household workers, uh, family, everyone participated in family worship. But I think uh, it was their spirituality, their communication. I, I, I came away, and I still, as I think through their marriage, I want to talk to my wife better. <laughs> I want to communicate better. I want to be more tender and kind and thoughtful and creative and romantic. All of those things that none of us may be first associate with Charles Spurgeon. The prince of preachers was also the prince of lovers in many ways, the lover of one woman and one woman only for all of his life. It's it's just such a sweet story, Dr. Allen. I felt it needed to be told. It had to be told. And I'm thankful in God's grace I got to tell at least part of that.
0: Yeah. So give us some of the takeaways. I mean, you're a minister. It's the 21st century, not the 19th, but clearly some of these lessons are transferable. And uh, not just for those pastoring, but for those engaged in any type of ministry. Um, I'm a seminary president. Those listening to this podcast tend to be pastors, missionaries, ministers of various stripes, seminary students. And so there's one thing every man who listens to this podcast needs. That is a wife who stands with him. There's one thing the women who listen to this podcast desire to be who are married, no doubt. It's to be the type of wife who stands with her husband, who's engaged in vocational ministry, and not just standing with him. Emotionally and uh, and through sacrificial service, but but partnering with them, joining with them in the work the Lord has entrusted to them. So, give us some of the lessons that are the takeaways from from this story.
1: Right, and and Susie's commitment to Charles was not reluctant at all. I mean, no, it was not like her hands were tied behind her back and she was dutifully gritting her teeth, doing her her uh, serving him and serving the ministry. This is what she wanted to do. She delighted in her husband, and she delighted in his calling, and they both delighted in the gospel. And I think that's really essential is that, uh, you know, Spurgeon respected her. He sought her counsel. Uh, He asked her to pray for him. And that is so vitally important in the ministry and in our marriages that we pray together and we pray for one another. Spurgeon was a very humble man at home uh, and he, when he would write her and he would say, Susie, I don't feel as spiritually uh, on fire as I once did. Would you please pray for me? And I would encourage uh, husbands and wives in ministry or otherwise to 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 pray together, to pray for one another and to stick to it. I mean, we got the title for this book from a letter Spurgeon wrote on the eve of his wedding. Uh, He signed it, Yours Till Heaven and Then. Uh, The Yours, Yours Only, Exclusivity, Till Heaven, Till Death Do Us Part. And later in the book, I talk about And Then. Spurgeon's vision was eternal. He didn't anticipate being married to Susie in heaven, but he did anticipate knowing her, loving her perfectly, and worshiping God together, and so I think the spiritual aspect of marriage is important—the the prayers together, church together, uh, sc- reading Scripture together. This mentality that we're in this together. This is God's ministry; He's called us into. It is a it is a high calling, a wonderful and glorious calling, and uh, we're both in this. I, I know at my church, Doctor Allen. Uh, I I don't know what I would do without my wife and her. If if I knew that she was sulking at home or uh, reluctant in ministry, uh, I don't see how I could serve. Uh, I need that. Uh, One, because I love her and I long for that, but also need to know that uh, she's with me and she is. And I would say that uh, that's one reason my church keeps me. is <laughs> because I've got a, they love Lori so much. Uh, they, they, they appreciate her commitment. But that sort of sticks, sticking together and sticking to marriage and ministry, keeping short accounts, communication, prayer, scheduling time together, uh, those sorts of things are just vitally important.
0: Spurgeon knew hardship, physical hardship, emotional hardship. He knew hardship in ministry, uh, the prism of the downgrade controversy, most especially. Uh, How did their marriage, and how in particular did Susie, support him and undergird him and enable him to uh, withstand these seasons of hardship?
1: Yeah, again, uh, she was not unstable at all. Uh, She was not uh, anxious. In fact, uh, someone wrote Spurgeon a letter that had once supported him in his ministry and said they could support him no longer. And this was during the downgrade controversy. Spurgeon was in on uh, French Riviera, uh, recovering. Susie was in London. She received the letter, and uh, Susie laughed. And she based that on a passage in Scripture, but it was just a demonstration that uh, whatever man does to us, whatever anyone uh, uh, does to us or Whatever support we have or don't have, we're in God's hands. Uh, God is sovereign. And so she wrote Charles to let him know what had happened, and she told him that she laughed. And uh, he said, "I laugh with you." He responded, "I laugh with you." And both of them expressed jointly confidence in God and his his provision. So he knew he had a spiritually minded wife at home, and the downgrade was probably the worst season, the worst period of his life. And Susie believed that it's the uh, at least the human reason that uh, Charles died at 57. She thought it was the one thing that pushed him over the edge. Finally, he died of a broken heart. Uh, she said even on his deathbed he was he was broken hearted over his friends that had abandoned him as he sought to stand for the authority of Scripture and the trustworthy the exclusivity of the gospel. Uh, and so she was there for him. She was praying for him. Uh, she was writing him. And she was keeping, uh, she was not, she she was not prone to depression. You know, Spurgeon was. Susie was not prone to depression. And so she would find him at times. It's almost hard to, for us to imagine the great Spurgeon uh, sitting or, or lying down weeping. And he wouldn't know why he was weeping. And Susie said that she would weep with him uh, because she loved him. And she wanted to enter into the sort of pain that he was he was feeling. And yet he was a very joyful man. we I, I think it would be wrong to paint Spurgeon as uh, this person always depressed. Uh, he thought it was his worst feature. He fought it by faith, but Everyone who knew Spurgeon would say he was one of the happiest, uh, jo- most joyful men. He loved to laugh, Dr. Allen, and, uh, and Susie loved to laugh with him, and they laughed a lot together. But she was just there for him, and she prayed for him. She enjoyed his company, and she supported him. And, and during the downgrade, she really re-upped her commitment to the book fund, She saw more than ever before how important it was to get books that taught sound doctrine into the hands of pastors who were being tempted uh, and seduced really away from the faith by uh, liberal thinking that had entered into the Baptist Union.
0: Ray, time has brushed by us, but uh, let me just offer you one last opportunity to give a final word of encouragement to pastors, to ministers. Uh, one final takeaway from the life and ministry and marriage of Charles and Susie Spurgeon.
1: Yeah, uh, again, ministry is is challenging on its best day. It is a high and wonderful calling from God. Spurgeon loved the gospel, and he loved the gospel ministry, and that's what we want as well. We we want to love the gospel, the Christ of the gospel. And we want to love the gospel ministry. And one of the best ways that we can do that is by cultivating a Christ-centered home, Christ-centered marriage, and a Christ-centered family. And though Spurgeon was out there preaching and writing and leading, he was taking care of his wife at home, loving her, treasuring her, praying for her, talking to her, valuing her. Without that, there's no great ministry of Charles Spurgeon.
0: Ray, thank you for your fine book, Yours Till Heaven, The Untold Love Story of Charles and Susie Spurgeon, uh, available now through Moody Publishers. And thank you for the conversation today. It's been a joy to host you on Preaching and Preachers.
1: Thank you, Dr. Allen. My pleasure.
0: Thank you for being with us today and for listening to Preaching and Preachers. For more information, go to my website, jasonkallen.com, That's jasonkallen.com.